The word of our God that we consider together this morning is today's gospel from John chapter 3. And in the name of God who gave his one and only son so that we might be his sons and daughters, dear fellow redeemed children of God. Suppose someone asked you, why have you come to church to worship today? There must be a reason. Perhaps you are here because you always come, because you know that's what God wants of his children. Or maybe after some time away, you felt it was good to be here today. But think about it just a little bit more deeply. We wouldn't come here unless there is something that we want to do or something that we hope to receive. What is it that we want to do while we gather here? What is it that we hope to receive from our time here? Our God invites us to approach him in worship through his word because he knows what we need. In today's Bible reading, we see a man named Nicodemus approach Jesus because he thought he knew what he needed. Nicodemus was a Pharisee, one of the respected religious teachers of the people, one who carefully studied God's word and one who tried his best to obey it. And most of the Pharisees thought that their own efforts made them worthy of God's love and worthy of a place in God's kingdom. Nicodemus had heard about Jesus, had some questions for him. He addressed him with respect and he said he knew that God must be with him because he was able to do all those miracles. But before he could say more, Jesus quickly said, Very truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born again. Nicodemus was absolutely shocked. And he asked, how can someone be born when they are old? Nicodemus correctly concluded that being born again is not something that we are able to do on our own. Our way into God's kingdom is not a work that we achieve. It's not a decision that we make. We need a way into God's kingdom more than anything else. So how do we get that? Jesus went on to say, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and the spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the spirit gives birth to spirit. The way into God's kingdom, to be born again, to be born of water and the Spirit. In baptism, the Holy Spirit gives faith and forgiveness and a place in God's kingdom where Jesus graciously rules in your heart. The Bible calls baptism the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit. Only by the Holy Spirit's power are we born again. Jesus explains that we are powerless to do this on our own when he said, 
Flesh gives birth to flesh. Sinful human beings give birth to sinful human beings. From the time that we are born, we are spiritually lifeless and have no power to choose God on our own. The Bible says that by nature we are spiritually lifeless in our sin, that we are blind to God's truth, that our sinful will actually fights against God's will. Proof of that can be seen anytime we want to do something that we know God says is wrong. We need to be born again, to become spiritually alive. That is our greatest need. And it is a work and a gift of God. Jesus said, the Spirit gives birth to Spirit. The Holy Spirit gives the spiritual rebirth of faith and spiritual life. The Holy Spirit's work that has led you to depend upon Jesus, to put your trust in him, is evidence that you are born again. Jesus said it's like the wind. You can know that it's windy when you see the branches swaying or hear the sound of the wind, but that doesn't mean that we fully understand how it originates or can control where it's going. We can't fully see and understand how the Spirit brings his gift of new birth. But the Spirit's work is powerful and life-giving and life-changing in you and in each one who believes. Give thanks to God the Holy Spirit for the gift of new birth into God's kingdom. It seems that Nicodemus still wanted to try to figure this out. He said, how can this be? It seems he was having trouble letting go of the idea that he could do something to earn God's love. And that can be hard for us to let go of that too. Anytime we want to look down on someone because of something that they've done, we want to view ourselves as more deserving of God's love. Truth is that God's love is always undeserved by all of us alike. This truth is a treasure from heaven. And Jesus asked Nicodemus and us too, how will you believe if I speak of heavenly things? Just one way. Only by listening to the one who said, no one has ever gone into heaven except the one who came from heaven, the Son of Man. Jesus is true God from heaven, who came here, became truly human, to give us a gift, a gift that is so costly that only he can pay for it. Jesus explained, just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, so that everyone who believes in him may have eternal life in him. Do you remember why Moses lifted up a snake in the desert? The Israelites were traveling from Egypt to their promised homeland, and they began to complain bitterly against God and actually rebelled against him. God sent poisonous snakes 
that bit many of the people. They repented and asked God to take away the snakes. God did that and even more. He told Moses to make a snake out of bronze and to lift it on a pole. And then God invited people to look at that snake. And if they looked, they would be cured and not die. And everyone who believed God's promise looked and lived. It was a gift of God's undeserved love. And it pointed to God's greatest gift of undeserved love. That God himself would lift up his son so that whoever looks to him in faith will live. And who is that gift for? It is for you. Listen as God gives the details of this greatest gift of his love. These are certainly very familiar words, but listen to them as if you were one of those Israelites dying of a poisonous snake bite with no hope of curing yourself. Because, my friends, without God's cure for our sin, that would be our situation. Poisoned by our sin, we would have no way of escaping death and eternal punishment. What is our greatest need? It is this gift. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Many of you have, of course, memorized those words. I invite you to say them together with me. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. God loved the world, all the people of this world. Even after human beings rebelled against him in their sin, God chose to still love. From eternity, God knew all of the sins that you and I would do. The hurtful words that we have spoken the self-centered actions for which we are ashamed. God knew all of those things and still chose to love this world because of his mercy, because of his desire to save us from what we deserve. This love of God is far more than a feeling. It is a commitment to act on our behalf. And so God gave his one and only son. He gave him not only by sending him into the world to be born and to teach and to live a perfect life. He gave him as a sacrifice. Giving his own son over to, to a torturous suffering. To a most shameful and painful death. God the Father 
could give no more than that. Jesus could give no more than that. And raised from death, Jesus says, I have taken your sin and made it my own, and I give to you my own righteousness. This is my gift to you. This is the greatest gift. It meets the greatest need, and it is yours. Take your Savior at his word. Trust that he lived and died for you, and you will live. You will not perish. You will not receive the penalty that we deserve for sin, but you will have life today and each day and eternally in Christ. Do you ever sometimes take this greatest gift for granted? I know that sometimes I forget this is my greatest need. Sometimes when I confess my sins and ask for forgiveness, I do so in kind of a detached kind of way, almost thinking, well, yes, I am a sinner, and it's always been that way, and it's true of everybody else too. I need these words of God to grab me by the throat and not let go, because these words really do describe me. I have done what is evil and failed to do all the good that God demands. I deserve God's punishment now and eternally. More than anything else, I need God to come to my rescue despite my unworthiness. And then by God's grace, my heart is prepared to receive and to rejoice in the gift of his love, the gift of God who gave his one and only Son for all the world, including even me. And these words grab hold of me, and they grab hold of you too, and they won't let go. And this is the assurance that we need in times of sickness or challenge or setback when Satan suggests God must be getting back at you for something that you've done. Remember, God's love is a gift. The Lord Jesus has paid for every sin. No penalty remains for you because Jesus paid it all. This is God's gift. Always undeserved. Completely free and unconditionally yours as you trust in him and live. And with this greatest gift of God's love, you have everything and you lack nothing. And isn't this why we come to worship our God? We come knowing our greatest need we come to receive and to thank God for the gift of his love that we need more than anything else. God the Father gave his son for you. God the Son gave his life for you. 
God the Holy Spirit has given you new birth of faith into God's kingdom so that you will not perish, but will have eternal life. There can be no greater gift, and this gift is yours. Until our next opportunity to gather here to thank God for his gift, may we continually thank him with obedience to God and service to others to proclaim this good news, God's greatest gift meets our greatest need. Amen.